We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. As always, stay tuned to the end of the interview where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the emails. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for the retweets. Just thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Antonio Thornton of Fearless Impact and Money Mouth Marketing. Antonio recalls his first venture into entrepreneurship in candy sales at school. He was so successful that he got kicked out of school. And so he learned early on that entrepreneurship wasn't a conventional path, but that he had a talent for it. He's had a number of businesses, but eventually realized that he was best at selling, which led to the founding of Money Marketing. Money Mouth Marketing 20 years ago. His current thing, Fearless Impact, stems from a period in Antonio's life when he was held back by fear after being involved with a company that was indicted for illegal activity. Wow, that was a pretty crazy story. He worked on his mindset and started a group devoted to learning about law of attraction and visualization as tools. He built on this work to form Fearless Impact, a program that helps entrepreneurs as well as a podcast of the same name. Antonio's mission is to help entrepreneurs ground themselves in helping people identify and face their fears. He extols the importance of asking yourself what you fear and challenging beliefs about what might be holding you back. Now, let's get better together. Antonio Thornton, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here, man. Glad to be here, Jari. I'm I'm really excited well, about today. Yeah, I mean it's a true honor. I was on your show a while back, and I think we had one of the most in-depth conversations I have ever had on a show. And it just I think we went for what an hour and a half or something. Yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, we <laughs> it was crazy. It 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 was uh it was a really it was a, a very different but a very well received episode. Um, we we went definitely about two to three times longer than than we typically go 
Um, and, and it was just a raw, honest and authentic conversation between two guys. And we've gotten the most uh, feedback on that one episode. Wow. I'm just so honored that, that, that people really loved it. And it was a great way to just show, I think, you know, that whole thing we talked about, and if you want to make a fearless impact in the world, like is what you do, you're the founder of fearless impact, which we'll get to in a second. But, you know, that one thing we talked about, which is if you really want to be fearless, like the first question you should honestly ask, or when someone asks how you doing, you should honestly answer them. And I think that was, yeah, that was, (laughs) that was, that was what set it off. I remember you're like, Oh, well, I didn't really want to talk about this today. It was great. I was right, right. Tough times then. Yeah, man, and and I I, I think you, you know the the opportune word there in that sentence is is honest. Mm. You know, is is honest is you know because I think a lot of times you know we get into that default. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. And and even if you don't say it's going great, people hear that. Yeah, you know, hey, mm-hmm. how's it going? Uh, you know, it's all right. Yeah. And they they hear in their mind it's going great, and it's oh okay, it's good, and they just kind of keep going. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of keep going. <laughs> but I, yeah. I think uh, I, I'm, I'm almost, I can't remember. I think you said it's I'm, I'm all right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. OK. I'm OK. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I and, and it wasn't it, it wasn't me hearing. Oh, OK, well, that's good to hear. Let's keep on going. It was like, well, no, let's let's kind of unpack that. What does that mean? You know? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's like what you're trying to do at fearless impact as well. I mean, you know, this positive change that entrepreneurs can do in the world. And, you know, I, I would love to hear how you started, you know, how you got to do what you're doing today with that, because that seems like such an important thing nowadays. Yeah, man, it's, it's a long journey as, as with most things. And, and I, you know, try to tell the as, as condensed a version as possible. Um, I, I, and and I and I, I want to and I, I want to tell the story, and some things may not seem relevant, but they all kind of lead to the person of who I am. So I was, I was, I was, I grew up as an only child. I say as an only child because I was an only child. I have a brother, but he's twelve years older than I am. So he moved out when he was seventeen. So I was five. So I really only remember being an only child. I, I, you know, I knew my brother, but I only remember being an only child. And as an only child, I, I kind of, you, you kind of have to, have to find ways to entertain yourself. And I'm, I was a nerd. I was the kid who was taking apart things and putting them back together. I was tinkering around with computers and all this, while everyone was out playing football and all those other things. So, so that created, as you could imagine, a path, you know, when you think about who a nerd is, you know, it, you, you create almost this path of a little isolation and, you know, kind of, figuring life out on your own. And there was a change that kind of happened for me as a shift around middle school. I started selling candy and there were a lot of other kids who sold candy, but I, I sold candy very specifically. The first thing is I only sold very specific things. I sold chocolate and hard candies. It was Kit Kat, Snickers, Reese's Cups, uh, now laters and blow pops. Those that was my thing. Oh, those are my childhood favorites. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and 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 you know there were other kids who sold other things. They sold like pickles and they sold uh, hot fries and, and all those other things. I yeah, didn't sell yeah. other stuff. And 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 here's the thing. Of course, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know this at the time. But I was actually a marketer because I had my own niche. 
I, I had my own, you know, this was my space. I was the chocolate and hard candy guy. Now, here's what I didn't even think about until later. Because of the candies I sold, I was able to bring a higher volume of candy to school than other people. Because you're like, think about how much space a pickle takes up or a bag of hot fries and chips. There's just a lot of empty space in that. So, you know, you can fit six Snickers bars into one small bag of chips. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So true. So just because of that, I was able to make more money than the other kids. And another thing that I, I ended up doing, and I didn't know this again until later, that I had my own USP, my own unique selling proposition. I brought my chocolate to school in a cooler. So oh. by the time lunch kicked around, nice. all my chocolate was just pristine, where <laughs> everyone else's was kind of gooey and melty and blah, blah. And who wants chocolate in the morning? You want chocolate around lunchtime. Yeah, right so, after lunch you want Yes, it. absolutely. So I was able to sell my Kit Kats, Reese's Cups, and Snickers for a dollar, where everyone else was selling them for about 50 cents. So I was not only making, selling them for higher, I was also, I had a higher volume. So I was making way more money than the rest of the kids. So that gave me my first taste of entrepreneurship, being directly responsible for making my, my own money. And, and, and these things were just kind of natural for me being a nerd. I'm thinking, well, they've got these hot fries. Look how much empty space is in this thing. I'm not selling these. So... <laughs> That that gave me my first introduction to entrepreneurship. And I was hooked, man. I was absolutely hooked. By that time, I was 13, 14, 15-ish. I was making about $1,200 a month, which was huge. That's pretty big. I mean, you're about my age, so that's back in the day. <laughs> that was back in the day, man. Right. Um, I was making so much money that they thought I was selling drugs. <laughs> literally thought I was selling drugs. You're like, no, man, I'm just, no, it's like just chocolate right. and hard candy. Exactly. Um, and, and I, I'll just tell a real quick story that the security guard, you know, I remember one day he saw me pull out this wad of money. He says, you come here. Where'd you get that money? None of your business. Where'd you get that money? None of your business. Took, takes me to the principal's office. He's got this money, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the principal says to me, and, and this is what got me kicked out of school, not the actual selling of the candy and things. I had a pager and he goes, what are you doing with a pager? Well, I can afford a pager. Well, why, I, they're asking me all these questions and are you selling drugs and this and the other. So they take me down to my locker. They, they, they require me to open my locker. I opened my locker and there was nothing in the locker. When I say nothing in the locker, I mean nothing in the locker. No books, no papers, not even a pencil. And the security guard, they're like, well, wait a minute. Why is there no stuff in there? I've seen you in the locker on another hall. We, this is not your locker. I said, no, this is my locker. Because it was a locker that was assigned to me. Now, I happen to be selling my candy out of my girlfriend's at the time, my girlfriend's locker. But here's the thing. They could not, they could not get to her locker because, you know, she had done nothing wrong, right? So they couldn't get to her locker. So they take me back to the office. And this is, this is what got me kicked out. He says, You've got $300 on you right now. I'm the principal of this school. And I don't even have $300. I said, well, that tells me that I shouldn't be a principal of the school. <laughs> and um, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. As the kids say, burn. burn, burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that that was Ooh, it. So that was it. Yep. Yeah. They they were like, OK, you're out of here. Um, you're, you're out of here. And it was it, it was an interesting scenario because it that that allowed me to see how limited the the job track was and the and the mindset of the people who typically are 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 the 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 jobites if you will where where the only thing they see is go to school get a job retire etc and anything outside of that there has to be something wrong something there's something wrong if you're doing anything outside of that and 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 I and I knew that I would not do well in, in a job environment. And I, it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because I've only had three jobs my entire life and I've gotten fired from all three of them. So um, <laughs> it's a sign. It's a sign. Yeah. Yeah. It, it absolutely positively was. And, but, but from that time, man, I, I tried a lot of different things. I've, I've had a lot of businesses over the years. I, I was a DJ. Um, I did computer repair um, answering service, cabin rental company, a dancer. I mean, I, the spectrum, I mean, I just you, you name it across the spectrum. I tried it and, and did it to, to some degree. And to, to get to your question, how did I get to the point of where I am now? I was never the best at any of those things I did. Even my technology company, that was where I, I had the, the, the greatest success. I was never the best at any of those things that I did, but what I was the best at was selling those things. That was what I was the best at doing. So near, near the turn of the century, around 2000, 2001, I said, well, why don't I sell marketing? Because that's what I'm good at. Why don't I sell that to other businesses? And I tried it. It didn't work. And I ended up finding a mentor, um, which was probably the best mentor I could have had was Jay Abraham. And he said to me, if no one will do business with you, why don't you consider doing contingency? Well, me not knowing what that was at the time, (laughs) I'm, you know, well, you know, I'm not sure if contingency is the right path and blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to figure out what contingency meant. And I think Jay kind of knew that I didn't know. He said, well, no, it's when you go out and get results for people and you get paid on the results. I'm like, Mm. oh, huh, maybe I could do that. So with his help, we came up with this pitch. If I bring you a dollar, will you pay me a dime? And that was a no brainer for a lot of companies. They were like, wait a minute. You're saying you only get paid on the money that you generate? Yeah. Yeah, willing to take all the risk. And I did. And that was the that was the start. That was the 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 birth, if you will, of money mouth marketing. We put our money where our mouth is. So I've run that marketing agency for the past 20 years. And and like I said, I mean, I I tell all that all the other stuff because It's what got me to where I am. I didn't just wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm going to start a marketing company. I didn't go to school for marketing and, and say, okay, yes, you know, I've, I've got this degree in marketing, I'm an MBA, and I'm going to go start this marketing business. It came as a result of seeing that you don't need to be great at a thing 
You just need to be great at selling the thing. Oh, yeah. I've found that more and more as my career continues to evolve. Um, selling is such an important piece of being an entrepreneur, and yet not a lot of people talk about it. It's, right. it's amazing because like half the battle is building the product, and then the other half of the battle is getting people to buy it. I, you know, and as a technical person who's been at a lot of startups, I never appreciated the sales process until one, I had to do it or two, you know, you're trying to figure out how to outsource it. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs want to outsource it. They're like, oh, well, just outsource it. Well, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're the first salesperson. And right. if you can't sell it, no one else can sell it, right. in my opinion. So right. yeah, this money mouth marketing or put your money where your mouth is. I like that concept. And, and so how, how did that evolve into fearless impact? Is it, is it the same or is it different or how, how do they all kind of fit together? Yeah. A great question, man. You know, so over the years, you know, we did pretty well with, with money mouth marketing and I kind of felt like there was something else that was calling me. And I, I started teaching principles around law of attraction and, and those and, and thought creation, visualization, et cetera. And I, you know, did pretty well with that. And, and I found that that was really a big part of who I was, you know, that was a big part, just the, the, the metaphysics and, and all of that. I love that, that aspect of, of business. So I actually started a, uh, well, let me say that aspect of life that led into business. But I, I actually started a local group um, about around law of attraction. This was right around when The Secret came out. And uh, at one time, I actually ran the largest locally meeting um, law of attraction group in the world. We had 1,300 members. 1,300? Uh, wow. Yeah, it was 1,300. And wow. It was, it, was, it was fantastic, man. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful wonderful experience is where I met my, my wife uh, is where I met several of the most important people in my life right now. Um, some of my closest friends came from that organization and it was, and that was a part of my vision for it. I wanted to surround myself with like-minded people. And I also wanted to find a, a woman who was in that, that mindset as well. And that's exactly what happened. So that was a part of, again, who I was. And the question was always, how do I combine these two? How do I combine metaphysics and the spiritual aspect of living with business and marketing and sales? And that was a struggle I had for years. It, it was a struggle I had for years. And then as I, as I really, really kind of allowed myself to be open to other things. I was in conversation with someone and the phrase fearless impact came up in that conversation. And man, that was it. It was the, the thing that I felt encapsulated my life. It encapsulated the journeys and the challenges that I had gone through. And, and I'll just take a quick sidebar if you don't mind. And kind of talk about one particular incident that that had a huge impact on me. 
um, when I lived in Vegas, I, I met some guys there and um, they, they ran, and obviously you can't see me when I'm doing the air quotes, but they, they ran an asset protection company. They really weren't doing asset protection. They were really doing asset acquisition. <laughs> they were acquiring people's assets. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. they, they hired me to do some work for them, particularly around removing negative information that had been posted on the internet about them. I had the skills at the time, so um, I was able to do that. And they paid me a lot of money for doing way more money than they should have been paying me for it, honestly. And I should have known something was wrong. And when I say that, it's when I say way more money, I don't mean, yeah, they paid me 25% more than the average. They paid me the equivalent of you walking into a McDonald's and then and the McDonald's uh, manager saying, all right, we're going to pay you $125 an hour. Uh, to, <laughs> oh. to the that's how much more they, Man, they that's were a lot that's a lot yeah. of money yeah they they were paying me a lot of money for for what i was doing and i didn't realize you know at the time what was going on well long story shorter these guys obviously were up to no good and they got uh they got hit man federal indictments and um i was a part of that and the my my saving grace was was that I was not a partner with them. I was just a literally a a, um, a contractor that that was hired, you know, to do this specific task. They brought me in to do what I did, and um, and that was it. So I was able to, and and I still get a little little shaken up when I think about it because it 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 was one of the most challenging times in my life, but. Um, I was able to avoid a prison sentence wow. um, and, and that it was terrifying. Yeah. It, it was, it was a terrifying experience for me. And, and I, and I, and I say that for this reason, after that, I kind of went into almost hiding. I kind of went into this cave and I, it was, it was that I, I, I didn't feel that I could do anything anymore. I had this reoccurring nightmare, waking nightmare that I would be on stage doing a presentation and you know, thousands of people in the audience. Yeah, yeah, Antonio. And then I, I just envisioned this, this group of people walking from the back of the auditorium, auditorium yeah. to the front. Yeah. And, and that, that group of people was, was like splitting this, this crowd of, of this audience like it was the, the, the Red Sea parting. And as they started getting closer and closer to the stage, I noticed all of them had on these FBI jackets and they would <laughs> jump on the stage and throw me in handcuffs in front of all these thousands oh, of people that wow. I'd be in the news. So that fear took me off stage. You know, if, if you look back to the, you know, early 2000s and night, you know, late night, 19, um, hundreds, you know, nineties rather I did, I was doing presentation after presentation. I was on this stage. I was on that stage working with this person, with that person, but I stopped, I stopped after that because of my fear. There's a lot of, there's business. I stopped my business. I mean, there's so many things, but the, 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 the whole point of, of that entire story was to encapsulate the concept around fearless impact. I knew who I was. I knew I wanted to make an impact, but that fear was debilitating. Mm -hmm. 
for me. It was debilitating for me. Now, I know not everyone has gone through almost going to federal prison, but everyone's had their thing. Yeah, their equivalent. Yeah. Right. It's their equivalent. I mean, yeah, there's just extremes of it, right? I mean, we all have those sort of catastrophic life events that scare us into scare us or like really make us rethink our lives. I mean, for me, it was when Jane died. And then just recently I was, as I was telling you before recorded, I had a fire in my living room at two in the morning and that sort of put the world in perspective as well. I mean, it's just kind of solidified to me that the every day is precious and you really have to have you know, the fear is always going to be there. I mean, with entrepreneurs, right, we're always worried about, you know, imposter syndrome and we're not going to make it. And like these, some of these things are trivial, like, okay, like the world's not going to end if your business fails. It may feel that way. And it may feel the equivalent to someone else of potentially going to federal prison or for me, you know, potentially getting caught on fire or whatever. But I think it's important to realize that, whatever struggles that we have, you know, this, this idea of, of knowing who you are and then trying to put that out in the world in a way that's going to really, you know, show off your gifts or do what you're put here to do. It's, it's, it can, in the time that is happening to you, it can feel like, oh, I can't even get my head above water, but right, that attitude is a really powerful one. And I'm curious, how, how do you, either train people to do it or how do you pull that together? Because I think a lot of young entrepreneurs, especially, especially when they're starting out or even people that are older that are trying to be an entrepreneur, the, the fear of the failure, the fear of the unknown, the, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of uncertainty and I'm just curious how, how, how does what you're doing kind of address that? Well, that's, and that's a great question, Jari. I, 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 I say this in, in, in where, where we are and, and what we teach in the Fearless Impact Movement. Um, the very first thing is finding your fear. And when I say finding your fear, not sitting down and saying, you know, what am I afraid of? Because that's one aspect of fear. We've all heard the phrase false evidence appearing real. And though you know, sometimes we hear that and we may roll our eyes and say, oh, you know, false heavy. I've heard that before. But when we, when you really think about that, that's really what we live into. There's something that we believe about our lives, about the world that may be absolutely false, but it appears real to us. And because it appears real, we live into it as if it's real. If you thought there was a wall in front of you, you're not going to try to walk through the wall. You're going to go around it. You're going to go the opposite direction. And and if you thought there was a dog chasing you, but there was none, you start running down the street. People, other people would look at you and say, what is wrong with that person? But it's it's some false evidence appearing real. And if you think you can't do a thing for a particular reason, again, it's false evidence appearing real. So you won't even try. Right. You won't right. even try. Right. So the very first step is finding Finding your fears. What are the false evidences that you have bought into? You know, you know, black people can't do this. If I'm too old, I can't do that. Um, I'm I'm not smart enough to do yada yada yada. Right. I 
I think running a big business is going to ruin my life. Right. There are millions of these things that we believe are real. So we live into them. Mm. Yeah, so, even though they may not be real. Yeah, true. Right. And the majority of them aren't. That's yeah. that's the thing. Most most of them aren't. There's there are things that we're holding on to and 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 living into as if they're real. So finding that fear and then facing that fear is is the next step to it. Um facing the fear comes from looking at it and really evaluating, really and truly evaluating what does this thing, what, where, where is this even coming from? Because when you really stop and think about, you know, where these fears come from is usually some limiting conversation has come from some other person, whether it be your parents, your, your friends or the, the media whatever the case may be, there's something, there's some cause or, or, or some, some source of that fear. And, and in that you now have the opportunity, you, you now have the ability to, to overcome it because when you face it, it's, it's like, um, it's, it's like a shadow, if you will, when you, when you shine that light, on a shadow, it, it disappears. Mm, it disappears. Yeah. It, and, and that's, that's what this process does is, is it gets you clear on those things and, and it allows you to move through them. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. It's just, it's a limitation. I think like people put arbitrary limitations on themselves because a fear of the unknown or family of origin or culture or, or, I mean, name the things that are just sort of artificial constraints because, you know, I'm not good at this or that my people aren't good at this as an example, which always frustrates me because, um, you know, like being an entrepreneur as an example is one of those jobs or vocations or careers that like literally anyone on the planet can do. In fact, everyone on the planet had, you know, is not, I mean, there's not a place <laughs> on planet earth that doesn't have entrepreneurs doing something, providing services for their community, taking risks, building products and stuff. And I find it fascinating that the sort of, there's a huge cultural component about like what I can't do. Um, again, depending on where you grew up, depending on how you grew up. I mean, you're, you know, you brought up the, uh, when you were a kid in school and they thought you were a drug dealer, it's like, you know, really <laughs> like you couldn't be given the benefit of the doubt. Is it because I'm black and have a lot of money? You know, I mean, come right. on, you know me, I'm, you know, right. Um, and, and you see that as a very constraining thing. And I think this sort of benefit of the doubt kind of not limiting your worldview seems to be like, I hope what, what, what the future will hold because, you know, you know, I think we had even talked about this on your show a little bit about how, you know, the, the cancel culture mindset, uh, you know, uh, what's it called, you know, toxic masculinity mindset, mindset, all of these things that are like the negativity of all that. Whereas what we really should be doing is like seeing what everyone's, you know, beauty and strength are and how we can kind of come together. And I think 
entrepreneurship in particular, at least in my opinion, does provide sort of that cohesion if it's clearly done right. And of course, there's examples that of people that aren't very good entrepreneurs that are, you know, exploitative and like the people that you worked for, you know, unbeknownst to you were <laughs> basically probably making a racketeering kind of thing. You're like, oh, well, this is not right. cool. Like, oh, the closest thing to the mob I've ever seen. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think it's a, it's a very, it's hard to put my finger on like the exact, I don't know. It's like a mindset thing, but it's also a cultural thing. And, 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 and how do you see culture and mindset sort of coming together? Cause we're, you know, we are at a crossroads. And again, I think we've talked about this on your show as well. We're at a crossroads when it comes to a lot of this stuff where we're going to take a hard fork um, and we have to make a decision as a culture and even as men, as an example of, of how we're going to handle some of these things. And I'm curious kind of how you see that petering out. And, and if you could sort of frame it for, you know, like a, a new entrepreneur, an entrepreneur trying to come up and fighting and battling these internal fears and the struggles and the, conflicting information that they see in the world. Yeah. I, I think it starts with introspection. It, it, it starts with you as a, as an individual taking the time to, to look at your yourself um, because our reality comes from what we choose to see in, in our reality. And that comes from what we choose to see about ourselves. So the very first thing is, again, just diving into yourself. And if that means shutting off social media, if it means taking a break, if it means whatever, but, but taking time to really evaluate who you are, like, who am I? And that's so, such a critical, I mean, it's, and, and I say it's critical, but it's so overused that people don't understand that the significance of it and the power of it is knowing, knowing, know, know thyself, mm. know who you are and, and not just know what you're about, not would just know what your, your, you know, your skills are, what, but actually know who you are, know how powerful you are. You know, if, if, and, and this gets a little esoteric, but you know, it is what it is. You know, if, if we are all a part of this one source, this one, you know, this, this one creation, if you will, if we're all an extension of that, we're, we're very powerful individuals. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. in that power, we have the ability to create the lives we want, the families we want, the communities we want, the culture we want, and the world that we want. We have that ability. So when I say know yourself, know who you are, know that you have that power because that's where it starts. I mean, and, and that's where it ends. It's, you know, yes, we have this thing called collective consciousness, but when you think about collective, collective is a collection of individuals. It is a group of individuals who are thinking in a specific way. When you change your thoughts, when you raise your vibration, you raise the collective consciousness. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an individual thing. Yeah. It's an interesting metaphor too. I mean, it's almost, I love the metaphor of, you know, when you're on a plane and it's like, uh, yeah, put your oxygen mask on first 
before you assist someone else. Right. Um, and it, it, you know, it's interesting that, that, that is sort of the, you know, I had a hard time with that in terms of, you know, helping yourself first so you can help others. Um, because depending on the culture you're in and, and where you grew up, you know, this sort of, sort of self-sacrifice for the good of the whole is noble, but I think <laughs> you need to put your oxygen mask on first <laughs> so that right. you can assist people. And, and I, and I, I agree with that. When you do change your mindset, it seems to attract other folks. I mean, call it raising the vibration, call it your attitude, whatever it is. I mean, there is a certain change when your mindset changes and you're open to new opportunity, when you're open to dialogue and discussion, the, the, it's just amazing what happens. And it's not, and it seems a little woo woo. And, and, and in one sense, I think it, you know, there's some things we can't explain about it, but I think you're right. If you, there's, you know, the collective is, is, is a group of individuals and the collective takes on the mood, the attitudes, the struggles, the challenges, the positivity of the collective. And the right. more people that have the, the quote unquote, positive attitude. And we're not, I don't think we're talking about like overly positive to the point of not recognizing the woes in the world. I mean, we've got problems we have to face. Don't get me wrong, but the practical, pragmatic kind of upbeat, we can solve these problems as opposed to we're doomed. <laughs> the world's going <laughs> to end, you know, like Absolutely. in California, you know, like California, I live in San Francisco, right? I mean, California is on fire every other, every year, right? right? People are pretty upset and pretty depressed. Honestly, I talk to people and you can't breathe the air. You can't go outside. I mean, look at, we're recording now. And there was another hurricane that hit New Orleans and Mississippi, I think. Um, it's horrible, right? <laughs> and you know, it, it, you can, and then, you know, the, the Afghanistan ending the war in Afghanistan and all that. So these are very negative, like Debbie Downer types of things. And I think this idea that you're trying to get across, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like, yeah, okay, we can take on the challenges of the world, but, and, and we should, but, but our mindset and how we approach them is really going to be powerful. And I think that power is in getting like-minded people together to help each other and fuel the, again, not overly positive. I'm not trying to say like, Oh, the world, everything is awesome. You know, like the Lego movie, but right. <laughs> you know what I mean, what I'm saying, <laughs> there's a certain attitude, which if you do have, it seems like, you know, the world's a little less scary and the fear doesn't always go away, but you can severely reduce it. Absolutely. There's a there's a video that I watch quite often on YouTube, so much so that I downloaded it and put it on my phone. It's only, you know, less less than a minute. There's this cute little girl who's trying to put on this her seatbelt and her dad is asking, Hey, do you need help? You know, putting on your seatbelt. She's like, No, no, thank you. And she he asked the question, Well, what do you want me to do? She says, Worry about yourself. Now it's it's hilarious that you know, she's a little little girl who says this um, it has to be maybe three three years old or so. But the the thing is is that that reminder that reminder uh, man I got to tell you and, and I always I always encourage your listeners to go just Google worry about yourself and you'll see that video. Okay, I'll put the I'll put it in the show notes. It is it is absolutely hilarious, but it's one of the most powerful powerful lessons in the world. It's like what do you want me worry about? yourself 
not to the detriment of others and not put, you know, not being narcissistic or any, anything of that nature, but worry about yourself. Get Bring yourself up. Work, do the things that you've got to do inside to make yourself a better person. That in turn, again, um, impacts the, the, the collective and it makes the world a better place. And that's what we do at Fearless Impact. We, we, we focus on helping individuals become the best that they can be so they can go out and make an impact in the world. Just like what you're doing on your podcast, man, you, you're all about helping entrepreneurs be the best, who, be the best people they can be so, yeah, so they totally. can go out and impact others. Totally. I think that's, we got to do more of that. I mean, I, I, that's why I'm, I'm not a real fan of all this negativity, cancel culture stuff. You know, I mean, we're going to have problems. We just have to be pragmatic about it and be actually compassionate. I wouldn't say empathy because empathy tends to be inaction. You know, people be too empathetic and then they can't take action. But I think empathy that leads to compassion will then eventually lead to action. Right. And, you know, that's why I do this show. I know that's why you do your show. And that's why we, you know, when we, when I was on yours, it was just such a, it was a powerful time because gosh, like, and I, I encourage other, I encourage people to listen to, you know, our interview over at Fearless Impact, because it was a, it's just one of those things where we, we need more dialogue about our commonality and collective humanity and how we can solve the problems that we face as a world. Cause like, Look, you can debate back and forth, left, right, and center, like why something happened. That's okay, fine. But pretty soon you have to take action on solving that thing, no matter the cause. Even if you don't believe the cause, it's happening. It has to, we have to fix it somehow. Um, and we can only do that with the shared humanity, the shared compassion. So it's just, yeah, really, really interesting. So what do you think, like, what, what questions do you think entrepreneurs or young entrepreneurs, the next generation of entrepreneurs should ask themselves as they sort of go on um, this journey or potentially going to go on this journey as an entrepreneur? I, I would always start with those same things. What are my fears? What, what are the things that are holding me back from doing what I should be doing? Why am I not going after this large contract? Why am I not, um, you know, putting, you know, running an ad on Facebook? Why am I not doing social media? What, what are the things that are preventing you from doing the things that you know you should be doing to get you where you want to go? And then again, facing those fears so that you can overcome them. You know, we, we closed a few months ago, Facebook as a client and, you know, the reality of it is, was, you know, we weren't ready. We weren't prepared. We didn't have everything in place. But the fact that I said, you know what, screw it. What, what, what's the worst they can say? No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, they're not going to go running Facebook ad campaigns saying this stupid company trying to do business with us. No, they're not going to do that. Right. No, no not at <laughs> you all. Know, but they, they said yes. And it was one of the most incredible experiences for me, you know, to, to say, I've got one of the largest corporations in the world as a client. So, um, but again, if I falling into, well, you know, Facebook, why would they want to do business with what, who would you know? All of those things, you have to idea, identify them because if you don't, you're going to, again, you're going to live into them as if they're real. And by living into them as if they're real, you're, you're, you won't take opportunities. You won't take those chances. So ask yourself, what am I afraid of? 
Yeah. What am I afraid of? Just, just that simply. What am I afraid of? Wow. Yeah. Well, Antonio, we could talk all day, <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> but we definitely have to end it for now, but uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And like, I was really appreciative of you having me on your show. And like I said, it was one of those conversations that I'm just going to remember for a long time, probably forever, because it was so, it was just such a, so kind and considerate. And I think a dialogue that we all have to have. And of course this show, you know, you being on mine was an honor and felt the same vibe, you know, and I encourage everyone to check out fearless impact and please keep in touch and let us know how we can help in the, and make the world a little better. And uh, yeah, just, wow. Great. Uh, great to have you on. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate the, you know, definitely the honor of being on man for sure. Thanks, Antonio, for just a w- another wonderful conversation. What a just what an awesome uh, amount of insights that you have, and what a great little extension of the interview we did on your show. So, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from Antonio. One of the single most important things one can do, according to Antonio, right, is ask yourself, "What do I fear? What am I afraid of? What's holding me back?" Identify your fears is the first step to challenging false beliefs. And for him, fear means false evidence appearing real. So, I mean, fear holds a lot of us back. This fear, uncertainty, and doubt of the future is one of the single biggest challenges that most entrepreneurs face. And if you want to be in the entrepreneur game, you definitely need to overcome your fear. So, great advice. Focus on yourself first and foremost. Each individual contributes to a collectively, the collective whole. And the more you grow yourself, the more you will have to give others. And I always like the analogy of put your oxygen mask on first and then help others, which seems a little self-centered in some cases. But if you are not ready to help or can't give help or can't be there for someone, you're going to do no one good. You're just going to be another like burden, right? So make sure that you get yourself straight and then you can help others. So there you have it, the actionable insights that I learned from Antonio. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list, by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.